Hey everyone, I'm Debbie Roberts, owner and financial advisor at Property Apprentice. Join me today for the week in review where I'll talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Topics for this week from One Roof on the 14th of November, price of standalone house back within the reach of first home buyers. Next up, stuff on the 14th of November, house prices expected to drop another 10% by the end of 2024, Westpac says. Third topic from staff on the 15th of November, overhaul of broken resource rules set to tame the planning departments and speed up builds. Fourth topic from interest.co.nz, 15th of November, new borrowers debt to income ratio still falling fast. Fifth topic, New Zealand Herald, 15th of November, brain drain gone away. New stats show more people entering New Zealand than leaving. So we'll start this week in review with the One Roof article on the 14th of November, price of standalone house back within the reach of first home buyers. Here's five key points you need to know about the housing market according to CoreLogic Chief Property Economist Calvin Davidson. Number one, first home buyers are still active in the market. In the past few months, first home buyers have increased their percentage share of property purchases, although the number of deals remain low. The median price being paid by first-home buyers is consistent with the decrease in property values. This means standalone homes are currently more affordable. On the other hand, rents are flattening and mortgage rates are still on the rise, making renting still a financially attractive option, certainly for the short term, but not for the long term. But as most first-home buyers are purchasing property for non-financial reasons, such as security of tenure, their percentage share should remain firm. Secondly, rents have plateaued since April 2022. After a negative annual change in September, the New Zealand Rental Price Index produced a more controlled result of 1.5% annual increase in rents for October. The outcomes are slowing down in the rental market with a fall in demand, also being brought about by net migration loss. The latest readings are significant fall from the regular annual increase of 5 to 6%, through to the end of 2021 and the start of 2022. Rents have noticeably stalled since April 2022, which is good news for tenants and a bit of a challenge for landlords until the next round of rent increases. Thirdly, is migration running at two speeds? Overall net migration on a 12-month rolling basis is expected to be negative. There are signs in recent months that new migrants are starting to return more strongly to New Zealand. This is helping offset the outflow of New Zealand citizens. The divergent pattern means that the return of overall net migration into positive territory will not happen overnight, but as more overseas residents consider coming to New Zealand again, the brain drain might fade in 2023. This will increase the demand for more homes. High debt-to-income ratio lending low again, number four. In quarter two, the share of lending for high eyes or debt-to-incomes fell again and this trend may continue in the latest data from the Reserve Bank. Banks and borrowers are cautious and higher mortgage rates also cap the amount of debt that can be serviced from a given income. Last week, the Reserve Bank in New Zealand announced plans to introduce caps on debt-to-income ratios for mortgage lending. They particularly want a uniform cap regardless of borrower type, LVRs and exemptions for new builds. A consultation is likely to take place next year for actual figures. 
At that stage, it's entirely possible that the LVRs would simultaneously be loosened, if not before. However, I feel it is important to point out the fact that although the Reserve Bank is, is looking at introducing debt-to-income ratios as part of their toolkit, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to implement those. Number five, New Zealand activity index should be encouraging. At the time of writing, the NZAC has not released an economic update for the month of October. Recent results have been consistently showing strong activity and this will have continued last month. Second topic for this week in review from staff on the 14th of November, house prices expected to drop another 10% by end of 2024, Westpac says. There's a shock header designed to grab your attention. Westpac is forecasting that house prices will fall another 10% from where they are now by the end of 2024. This would mean that prices would fall 20% from their peak at the end of last year. Taking inflation into account, this will take real house prices to the same levels we saw prior to the pandemic. The bank had previously forecasted a 15% drop in nominal house prices from peak to trough, but it's revised its forecast in light of rising interest rates. Westpac expects the OCR to peak at 5% in June 2023 and stay at that level until September 2024. The average mortgage rate people are paying on home loans may increase from 37 to 5.2% in December next year. This forecast is in consideration that many borrowers on fixed-term loans will be safe from higher rates for at least part of that period. The bank acknowledges that the resulting increase in debt servicing costs will have an impact on household incomes, and this, combined with rising living costs, will put pressure on household spending power. Westpac estimates house prices to have fallen 11% from their peak. This means a house value at $1 million last year would now be worth $890,000, and another 10% fall from current prices would take off another $89,000, resulting in just under a 20% fall in value. Acting Chief Economist Michael Gordon said economic growth will have stalled by the end of next year, and they'd be predicting an outright recession were it not for ongoing recovery in international tourism. So my take on this is that Westpac tends to err on the side of shock value when it comes to these predictions. Uh, they quite commonly overestimate the amount of downturn and underestimate the underlying fundamentals in the property market. So I'm not expecting another 10% fall in values. I think we are potentially already at or near the bottom of the market. We're seeing a lot more interest from buyers and with the with the borders opening up and, and people starting to come into New Zealand, you know, as you'll see further in this week in review, we are starting to see more people entering the country as well. So we'll we'll see. You know, nobody's got a crystal ball that works, but I certainly am not expecting a significant drop in value from here. If you want to learn more about property investing, join me at one of our free Beginner's Guide to Property Investment events available live online or in person. Check it out on propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. If you'd like to find out more about how we can help you to reach your financial goals, you can book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband Paul Roberts via the website too. That's propertyapprentice.co.nz. 
Third topic for this week in review from staff on the 15th of November, overhaul of broken resource rules set to tame planning departments and speed up builds. The government is planning to overhaul the Resource Management Act in order to speed up consents, get more houses built and better protect the environment. Environment Minister David Parker explained that this would lower costs, remove red tape and cut the approval period of new home and infrastructure projects. He said the change is long overdue and frustration from developers, environmentalists, councils, farmers and builders is growing. There's cross-party support for the need to replace and repeal the RMA. The government claims that the new plan will reduce 19% of costs annually. And that sums up to $10 billion in 30 years. The government also took aim at rules that allowed for nimbyism for preventing development and contributing to the rapid increase of land prices. One of the changes includes shifting land use and resource rules, stripping more than 100 plans down to 15 regional level plans created by committees of local and central government and Māori. The plan has set clear targets for a housing stock that exceeds future demand, restrictions that do not lead to inflated land prices and more affordable choices. The bulk of the decision making will be made in the early planning stages, which means there'll be fewer consents to process and fewer delays. Central government will have more power with an aim to allow for more building or activities to reduce costs and delays at the consenting stage. The new rules also give local authorities the ability to enforce stronger conditions, compliance and enforcement powers. The framework involves water and air quality as well as infrastructure development. One of the new proposed laws called the Natural and Built Environment Act is set to take the bulk from the Resource Management Act with powers to protect and enhance areas such as estuaries and coastlines. It's estimated it could take 10 years for the laws to be fully in place. Despite Parker saying that there was cross-party support to repeal and replace the RMA, the Green Party noticed that Labour had missed putting climate change and nature at the centre of the laws, while National said the plan was too bureaucratic. Act's David Seymour said the ineffective principle of the RMA had not changed. His suggestion was to include a provision that states that people can do what they want on their property as long as they don't harm the enjoyment of others' property or commonly held environmental resources. The reform will include goals to improve and restore degraded environmental areas. There will be bottom lines for environmental degradation that are not allowed to be breached. What will remain unchanged is the fast tracking of some consent projects. Fourth topic this week in review, interest.co.nz on the 15th of November, new borrowers debt to income ratios still falling fast. The latest debt to income ratios produced by the Reserve Bank shows that borrowers are avoiding stretching themselves too thinly. This is an ongoing trend amid rising interest rates in the slower housing market. The RBNZ says that debt to income ratios of new borrowers have now been falling for 10 months. While new mortgage holders are in a less risky situation, those who took on mortgages at a very high DTI last year are in a very highly geared situation. Having finally received government approval, the RBNZ is creating a debt servicing framework so restrictions can be brought in by March 2024 if necessary. The RBNZ keeps a close eye on borrowing that's done on DTIs of over five, 
In other words, where the amount borrowed is over five times the annual income of those taking out the mortgage. It's unclear what DTI levels the Reserve Bank is comfortable with and details on what limits will be imposed under a debt servicing framework have not yet been established. Debt to income data shows that in recent times, more than half of the mortgages owned by first-time buyers have DTIs of five or above, but in September, nationwide figures show that less than half of borrowing have DTIs over five. The RBNZ has gathered debt to income data since 2017, and in the 2017 to 2019 period, there has been a falling trend, but this has risen and now figures are coming down again. We'll be showing two tables on the screen. The table above is of the percentage of new mortgages by first home buyers and other owner occupiers that's on debt to income ratios of over five times. And for those of you that don't have access to the to the video content as well, uh, the chart shows that between first home buyers nationwide, Auckland first home buyers, non-Auckland first home buyers, other owner occupied nationwide, Auckland other owner occupiers and non-Auckland other owner occupiers, all of those percentages have dropped. So that means that people who've got debt to income ratios of over five times, the numbers are reducing. The table below shows the percentage of new mortgages for both investors and owner occupiers that have investment collateral that's on debt to income ratios over seven times. And this chart shows that investors nationwide has decreased significantly. So the number of people that are on debt to incomes over seven has decreased from June 2022 at 16.8% down in September 2022 to 12.7%. Auckland investors have likewise dropped about 6%. Non-Auckland investors have dropped a little bit from 9.9% to 8.6%. Owner-occupiers plus investment collateral nationwide has dropped a little bit as well, from 14.7% in June down to 13.4% in September. Auckland owner-occupier plus investment collateral is the only figure on this chart that has increased, which means that the debt-to-income ratios over seven times have increased in this category alone, from 17.7% in June 2022 up to 19.4% in September 2022. However, if we compare that figure to September last year, it significantly dropped. September 2021 showed 37.2% had debt-to-income ratios over seven, whereas now it's 19.4%. Non-Auckland owner-occupier plus investment collateral has also decreased in the last few months. It can be concluded that the sharp easing has been happening in the last 10 months and will continue, although it remains to be seen how low it will drop. Fifth topic for this week in review in the New Zealand Herald on the 15th of November, brain drain gone away, new stats show more people entering New Zealand than leaving. Stats New Zealand data released last November the 15th showed an estimated migration gain of 2,176 people. But because so many Kiwis left late last year and early this year, we're still seeing a net migration loss for the year ended 30th September. The figures are being watched closely as they affect employment rates, rental prices and other major social and economic issues.
Stats New Zealand mentioned that there was a provisional net migration loss of 8,400 in the September 2022 year. This was the lowest annual migration loss since July 2021. The lockdowns associated with the Delta and Omicron virus strains have cancelled opportunities for people to travel to New Zealand, but more recently restrictions have been lifted. July saw a subtle net migration gain and the numbers rose consistently in August and September. A net migration gain of 4,200 non-New Zealand citizens was reported in September. In the 11 months to September 2022, New Zealand recorded a net migration loss of 13,500 New Zealand citizens. That followed 27 months of net migration gains of New Zealand citizens amounting to 32,000. Stats New Zealand recorded a net migration loss of 31,400 non-New Zealand citizens in the 24 months from April 2020 through to March 2022. Taseen Islam from Stats New Zealand said that this is consistent with patterns before the pandemic, when New Zealand had an annual net loss of citizens and an annual net gain of non-citizens. This means foreign nationals have driven overall migration gains for a long time, even when Kiwi citizens moved abroad, but COVID has put a stop to this trend. Westpac economists believe that the outflow of citizens is over and there's a lift in migrant arrivals from Asia and Europe, including a steady inflow of returning New Zealanders. ACT leader David Seymour says that despite the latest numbers, the country is still being starved of manpower. There's a shortage of people working to lift the economy and the current government has made the country undesirable for aspiring migrants, Seymour said. Among major problems he cited include the crisis in our health system, falling literacy and numeracy rates, high crime rates and the housing crisis. But Tourism Minister Stuart Nash and Immigration Minister Michael Wood argued that the country is doing well attracting migrants. According to them, as of September, there's been a decline in net migration loss, which means people are choosing to stay within the country. If you'd like to learn more about property investment, join me at one of our regular free training sessions available either online or in person in our office in Auckland. They are live training sessions and there's plenty of opportunity to ask me questions. I'll answer as many of them as possible. Register online at propertyapprentice.co.nz and if you'd like to have a no obligation chat with my husband Paul to see how we can help you, you can also book a meeting or phone call with him via our website. That's propertyapprentice.co.nz.